Hi, I'm Dustin French, and this is The Post Catch-Up, a series of conversations between friends about creativity, life, and style. I'm Justin French. I'm a photographer based out of New York and London. I'm here chatting with Ibrahim. Ibrahim, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Ibrahim Gamara. I'm a stylist based in London, born in Sierra Leone, and I moved to the United Kingdom many years ago. <laughs> Thank you for joining. I think we both were in the UK around the same time. I think I've met you around, it's like 2009 or 10, roughly, was it? Yes, yes, the, the, the very wild days where, where we didn't have to pay rent, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, today, exciting times. It was so much easier. Today we're going to be recording over the internet to catch up and to share with people some of our stories about our journey, life, and work. I'm currently in Brooklyn right now. I've been here since roughly like February 28th, like right before the lockdown started to kick in. And it's been like really interesting, uh, the transition from the city for me, just from it being so bustling before and everything's a lot calmer. There's a lot more people, family, that are just like, Oh, so much more community-driven time now, I've noticed, which is kind of interesting. Um, how's London? You know, I the first few months, I think, was very intense. I think I, because I live alone, and mm. and I always loved the idea of living alone until lockdown. But I sort <laughs> of, <laughs> but I sort of maneuvered my way around it, where the first two months was extremely difficult, because I'm usually traveling so much for work, and then I sort of come home, it's like this little sanctuary where I just relax and I refresh my mind. And having to refresh my mind for two months was not that exciting for me because I love to see things. I mean, post-lockdown, what have you been up to? It seems like you are unstoppable. It doesn't seem like you've been sitting down at all for the past three months. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I'm unstoppable, <laughs> but, you know, I... It's been exciting to sort of, you know, I think during the lockdown, I really, after the two months of complete loneliness, I I sort of really started reading a little bit more and I, I need to read a little bit more now and watching movies and, you know, watching talks, you know, and really finding about myself, my background, my history and 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 my place in this world and the things I want to say and the things I want to see happen. And I've sort of, you know, and a couple of the the stuff I've done this season really reflects that, really reflects that. But also it's a sense of fantasy and in a world that I want to see and a world that I want to be in. And and so if you look at my recent work, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a celebration, there's a, there's a, there's a celebration within the work and there's a sense of revisiting who I am. Mm. For me anyway, people might not see that within the images, but it's... Well, it's... Speaking, well speaking of like revisiting, I mean, I've known you a, a while and seen you go through a lot of iterations and transformations. What would you say has changed about how you feel approaching work today versus say even 2026 do you still feel the same kind of approach that you're taking uh, before you start a project or you know what's changed since then 
because I, I mean we're I, six years away from 2026 so we're really almost there really there yeah. yeah it's quite <laughs> scary i keep thinking am i gonna fall off a bridge 2026 but that's another conversation <laughs> you know i think i think when i started i was quite fearless but um and very much i'm gonna do it all i'm gonna just you know create what i want to create and i still have elements of that fearless sort of feeling when it comes to image making it's it has to say something to me it has to really i i never want people to look at my work and look at it again it has to make you think why these people look like this or what the message i'm trying to say and i think what has changed is my work has reached a broader audience which i'm very grateful for and the platforms have been given and I use them very wisely and the people I sort of collaborate with, I really celebrate them. And, and, the, and the talents and the, and the beautiful humans I get to, to style, I really try to push them to, to, to the best of their sort of ability. I, nothing more has changed, but I'm just trying to, I'm learning more. I know a little bit more about myself now. I think I'm sort of trying to evolve into the next chapter of my in, into my career where I'm sort of writing. I want to, I want to direct a film. Hopefully next year I can release a, a, a project and I want to- That would be amazing. I, I hope so. I, you know, I want to sort of expand my world beyond styling and sort of create this 360 degree of imagination that I'm excited about my world anyway. Because I, I do live in a bubble 95% of the time, but it's a safe bubble that get boss here and there, but I am still. Well, I would, <laughs> it's funny you say, like, I would say almost the exact opposite. I feel like you don't live in a bubble. I really, I think just even from being around you, the one thing I've always witnessed is that you have this kind of unlimited capacity to, what would be the best way to say this? Like, learn and adapt to culture as you're experiencing it, if that makes any sense. Like you don't necessarily just go to a group of people or a project or a place. You kind of go in and experience and they share with you. They share a lot of personal things with you and you find ways to incorporate that into the work as it pertains to them, if that makes sense. So that each person almost has a little bit of their itself somehow in that image as well. Not just their body, but like something that they can relate to depending on what the project is. So it's really kind of interesting that I've been able to like witness how you work. And that's the one thing that I think has always stood out between say you and various other people is that you really do make an effort to sort of like bridge culture and make sure that it's represented at least beautifully um, within the work Thank that you do. Thank you so much. You're very kind, Justin. Thank you. Mm. I. Yeah, you know, know, I grew up, up, (laughs) but you're very kind. I grew up in in Africa and and in Africa, when you're you're a child, you are the child of the community. You're just not, you know, that's not just your mom and your dad. You belong to everybody. And I, and I, and when I travel to places, I sort of belong to everybody or it's, it's it's a very sharing experience. And I really dive into everyday life the people are 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 going through it and i sort of use that in the styling and i sort of bring that into the picture for because for me it's more real it's more it's more human i think i think i love human stories 
I love human style. Like it's so inspiring when you're somewhere else in the world and there's no internet or no access to to anything that we sort of think um, in the Western part of the world is luxury. And you just see humans mm-hmm. interacting with humans, but they look incredible because they haven't really thought about what they're going to wear. They just have the most effortless style. And that's what I grew up to. I never really, I, re, I never really, I never really understood what poverty was, you know, mm. until I came into, until I moved to England. Because growing up for me, not having TV, for example, or having TV later years was okay with me because it, it was something I did not miss. So because I didn't miss it, it was never a luxury thing. I just had to use my sort of imagination to to, to create these characters in my head and, and play with my friend. So going back to your to what you're saying, yes, I think because of my upbringing and this human family, community, and, and, and you know, Sarah is so rich in culture. And I always seek that wherever I go, whenever I work with people, people, any part of the world, I sort of, really stretch and dig really really deep to sort of connect and and bring that into into the world and hopefully it's it's back to something new and hopefully it's a new subculture because i i i just don't take i sort of push it in my own world and mix my own mm-hmm. world with it and see how far and hopefully the people first of all like it you know that's, that's the most important thing <laughs> if they hate it then i should, probably shouldn't publish that work but well, I think they usually you know, like it. So, well, well, you put a lot of effort into it. There's not just the idea of just like internet research. You do groundwork. You venture through communities and understand and learn stories. I remember when you saw in India this uh, these statues on the side yes. of the road. You know, the rest of us just ride by didn't think much of it but you saw them and zeroed in on it made them stop the van and jump out and chat about these statues and you know i guess no one else would think of it but even that uh for many and uh raju like those guys actually were able to identify with those pieces they were familiar with them they knew exactly what they were and even that little aspect made them a lot more excited to be involved in the project so it was like kind of a really amazing thing where even if the say viewer who's could be anywhere in life you know but just chiming in via ig or wherever they've seen your work these are the little pieces of that image that they would never really know was like a backstory it was like how it was produced the amount of like actual collaboration that went into it the relationships that you built even within that span of a week you know into building this project it's kind of those things that actually make it even more, in my opinion, monumental is like having been able to see the process by which you work, it kind of makes each thing even more almost magical in a sense, because I can almost envision the kind of things you're going through to get to a particular image. I know you put a lot of work into it, so it's mm-hmm. really good to yeah, see. Th- thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think that that, that project was very moving, you know, mm. working with those amazing, beautiful boys in India and and even the 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 young couple. I was very grateful you came on. And that to, was actually amazing. The couple, 
Oh my the couple, God. Like, yeah, it's the way it. things work out, and no one yeah. would ever know that they're a couple. It's they're so a couple, and, and we shot this for I think it was for M. Lamont. We shot that story mm. for in India, and it was sort of a take on um, on, on what I see men's wear in India. And, and something I found so fascinating as a black man in India is how much my culture influences them so much, and how I was able to take their culture and, and make and and, and what they have influenced me so much in the sense that we, I sort of combine it together and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, and, and we work with so many local people to make stuff and build stuff. And, and, you know, well, one thing I love is, is, is the look on people's faces when I go into these places and I, and I take something they sort of are so used to and be like, can we make something else probably the same thing? <laughs> and the look in their face, like, oh, it's impossible, but but we always get it done because I don't believe anything is impossible. And I really push them. And they really bring out the most incredible inventions or the most incredible techniques to make. I mean, they made everything work. The TVs. The <laughs> TVs, yeah. But we, we found a way, we always find a way to, mm-hmm. to make those images come to life. And yeah, and you mentioned that I kind of like that idea that you know you don't just come to with you know with brands like you also do a lot of local work and employ a lot of local workers of the community. That's actually a really interesting aspect as well because when we think of how many people were actually creating custom things, I think there had to be at least seven to eight people. Uh, yeah, separately, but also, also reached out to other people. Yeah, seamstresses. Sure. Uh, yeah, the guy who was doing the—I can't remember his name. He taught you how to do the raps. Do you remember? The raps, him? yes. Wasn't that okay. wonderful? I, I and I still, I still follow him on to, IG. <laughs> incredible, and I still know how to how to really rap. And I'm still mm-hmm. learning how to rap. Well, I saw you do it recently, actually. I saw you do it recently on another job. And I'm like, I knew you learned that from Jaipur. I remember. Of course, of course I did. I mean, that Jaipur tutorial stays in for life. And and he made sure I got it right. And it was really incredible to to work with him and and learn. You know, one thing I learned, I love so much about traveling and creating work is I get to learn so much. Styling Mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's beyond clothing. You know, it's a human, it's a human connection to just, 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 just going through the street of India and, and Africa and Latin America and, and in the Czech Republic and just seeing people just so beautifully, the way they just beautifully put things together. I mean, my mind is racing 10,000 miles mm-hmm. an hour with ideas and, and, but it's, yeah, it's really, um, it's really a great learning process and I'm still learning, you know, I, Mm-hmm. I love that I'm, I, and I think the day I stop learning, then I'm going to stop making work. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are you working on now that you're really excited about? Is there a project that you've done recently that you really, I mean, obviously you love everything that you do, I'm sure, because there's a lot of, uh, like, is there I, anything I right now that you're just, like, putting on a pedestal, like, really excited to release, or Believe you mentioned the film? Believe it or not, I don't think I, I usually doubt everything I do and I probably hate everything I do. And then, <laughs> and then I sort of liked them like six months later and I thought, oh, actually, that wasn't that bad. Mm, yeah, it was good. Okay. But I, I, I think one of the things I find is I'm always, I love the process of 
thinking and the process of getting ready to do the project. And I think once the project is done, my mind is on a different world and what I want to create. So I hmm. sort of hate what I've just made, um, which is terrible, but I'm I'm learning to, to like it. I'm learning to appreciate it. But now I feel like I sort of live in the moment, which is nice because when I started, I really was not living in the moment. I was just living to, I was just trying to do myself like how far can mm. I push myself? I still have that feeling of how far I can push myself, but with, with a little bit of appreciation of the platforms and 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 the spaces I've been given to create. Uh, what am I working on? I just had a busy month and I'm happy to be home and I'm gonna work on a couple <laughs> of personal, <laughs> I love my house. I'm gonna work on a couple of <laughs> personal projects that I'm very excited about. And, and and hopefully I I can I can wrap up this this film that I've written and hopefully I can get it um, somebody can pay for my film <laughs> I can get somebody to pay there for will it. definitely be someone and, interested in well <laughs> let's put the energy out there you never know I, I like to just put energies out there and hopefully somebody is interested in sponsoring my film and it's very very there and very close to my heart it's mm-hmm. it's everything i've thought of it's everything i've dreamt of it's everything i've studied it's everything i have wanted to do in what i mean this is just one project but there are many more to follow after this one and i really want it to be um i want it to be a moment in my life that i'm proud of uh, i'm proud of many moments and i never really take time to look back and appreciate but i do appreciate everything but I think this might be one of those moments where I probably cry a lot making this because it's so personal. <laughs> it's it's the one thing where I am running the sheep and I and it's uh, it's a very direct vision and it's very emotional. It's personal. It's and hopefully I'm saying so much about it already, but, <laughs> but you know what it means. Sounds like you're ready for Sundance already. <laughs> I would have been for but never okay, so you mentioned you just mentioned like um not necessarily appreciating the work as it is the day of but like looking back six months later i think that's really poignant in a sense because a lot of media is so transient and just so fast that we consume it and we kind of already either recycle it or dispose of it that quickly but mm-hmm. given that, that kind of speaks to what you see in terms of like an image being powerful. But like in your mind, like what defines a very powerful image or an iconic image? I feel like we've spoken about this before, but um, I'm wondering like what has changed since then, since you had CSM and you were like exposed to quite a lot of varying points of view. But like since being out of there, you know, in your mind now, what defines a very powerful image? As someone who's created so many powerful images, you're so kind, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> I, for me, I I've always thought, and you know, it goes back to me being growing up in Africa. For me, a powerful image is an image that stops you immediately, mm-hmm. and you stop, and you're emotionally connected to it. And I think, and I think that's what makes it powerful photo you you know i am i am consistently um 
wowed by um, advertising that makes me stop and and think and have an emotional impact to me, then the sort of advertising has sort of done done its job in a way, and that's how I I I, I that's what I think when I think of a of a powerful picture in the sense that it stops you. It, it, it sort of demands those few moments of your time. If a picture can demand your time, you just cannot not stop looking at it. It's just in front of you and you're sort of um, analyzing it. Whether, it's a, whether it makes you angry, makes you sad, makes you want to just tear the pages, it has that reaction out of you. For me, that's what make a beautiful picture and that's what make a powerful picture because that's what it's supposed to do. Those are the intentions. There's a very strong image that you did with, I think the project was Soft Criminal. Um, There's an image that just stands out for me. Like a young girl standing in front of a screen, not even a screen, I think she's just like in a field possibly, but she's holding an automatic. And I just thought that was one of the most striking, beautiful images to me. And I remember like asking you about it. And I think you were just like, oh yeah, it's good. But like to me, that image said so much, meant so much. You know, she's there innocent, but like holding this automatic rifle. Yeah. And to me, it was just like really one of the strongest images that I'd seen. Thank you. You know, I was very scared to actually make that picture. I, you know, I mean, we live in a time where people don't really read read the context of the context of anything and and are so easily wanting to become the judge the executioner forgive me english was never my first language i'm trying here but you know but you know what i mean uh, so i was very scared to you know i was in south africa with christine and i and you know i had planned the picture for so long and i and i really had doubts of like Oh, maybe we should just leave it. I don't think I don't think this is a good idea. You know, I'm gonna get dragged through the streets for this picture. But I always overthink everything anyway. But but I always I always say, let's just go, let's just do it. And I said, okay, cool, whatever, let's just do it. You know, we can't. You know, this is this is within us to make it. So we 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 shot the when we we shot the picture, and for me the photo sort of. It sort of um, looks at an an, an oppressed human. Mm. And I think when people are oppressed for so long and they're pushed to the brink, some to the edge again, my English here is terrible. Sometimes they just they just become the oppressor themselves. Mm-hmm. And they sort of yes. start acting like the oppressor. And and that's what that picture sort of um, that was the vision behind it and that was the story mm-hmm. I was trying to convey to the audience. Mm-hmm. I, think. I thought this was a very interesting question because it made me, not the previous one, but this next one, um, it made me really think about myself and like what other people have said about to me, of course, like not behind my back. But are you an optimist or a pessimist? And then I also want you to answer the same about me, if you think I'm one. <laughs> an optimist, yes, I am very hopeful. I always think everything is possible. I never... Mm. One of the things I really dislike the most is it's not possible. I really don't like that word. 
because in my in my little head everything is possible and if you really mm-hmm. work hard enough and really and you know the concept of hard work is also very you know subjective but if you really put in the effort to sort of you know go and and get what you want it's always possible it's always a possibility and what was the other question oh what do you think of me am i an optimist or a pessimist no i think i think you're op- optimistic but you're also quite practical where okay. i on the other hand i'm usually not practical i'm <laughs> i mean i get practical when i'm really pushed to the wall and there's nothing else to like you know when i'm like you know like, like in india trying to create those things like somewhere somewhere in the amazon trying to create things that i know we can't create in a day but i'm so optimistic and i'm really trying to push everybody to make it and then it gets to like 9 p.m. at night and I'm like hmm, okay maybe I should rethink this a little bit but then I always we always find a way to yeah to get to get the vision 99% but then yeah. I'm really not happy so I should be like okay let's just scrap it <laughs> <laughs> so 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 it, so I even I could have told myself just just drop it this is not going to work but I well, really I mean, have seen to. I've seen you move mountains before there I think there was a time we were doing the job with Khalil Joseph and he separated us because he needed to do more than one shoot at a time. Yes. And it was probably one of the worst things that could have happened to me because basically <laughs> <laughs> I was there to assist you, but he separated us and ex- expected me to like create a look for someone I was just like, this is not going to happen. And I'm just like, <laughs> there's no way I can send this guy out. Somehow a ray of light just shone, shone through. And like, I saw you walk through the room and I was just like, thank God. And you did it in like two minutes. So I would definitely say, I would see you as more, I think you're an optimist. I think you kind of feel pressure sometimes, but I would definitely say you're always primarily optimistic and always seems to find a way to make it. I think you're a natural stylist, so I don't really ever see you being in a situation where you couldn't overcome. Um, but if you're we're going to talk about overcoming challenges, let's talk about it. Um, what is a really significant challenge you've had to overcome on the job? Has there ever been a situation where there's just been like seemingly insurmountable job task that's been asked of you? You know what? Battling no, 80 people, I, you know. <laughs> no, I, I I'm very happy. Uh, my my parents installed a very heavy work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom is an is a nurse, but she, when she moved into the UK, she had no education, and she had to literally start from scratch and educate herself, learn English, and and now she's a working nurse, and I always think. I would tell myself, get yourself together, you can pull through. For me, it's not, again, I go back to, it's not, nothing is impossible if you really, and there's always a way around it. I, you know, I work really hard, not because I also love it. I really, really love, um, I really love what I do from whatever aspect, or I really love, I think it, I breathe it, I, I sleep in my sleep. I'm thinking of ideas. I'm thinking of things. It's really problematic, but it's I really love what I've seen. 
We've seen you wake up talking about like looks. Did you get the Gucci look? And I'm like, no, not the Gucci look. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the maybe rank confirmed. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm that kind of stylist. I think I I can work with whatever. But you know, sometimes I like to to push to get what to get things done. But I I never really I I'm never really phased by how hard the job is. I always think about okay, how can we make it happen? How can we make it happen and make it really, really good and really strong? I never, I never want to leave a set and not give my one hundred percent. I always want to look, leave, and be proud of that moment. I never really take photos of my work on the day. I never really want to think about it after I'm done. Mm. So I never really document anything, and and so my memory is always. And then I. Pr- probably hate it when I'm done and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I didn't do that properly. And then when it comes out, I'm usually surprised at the work and then I probably hate it again. And then in six months to a year, then I land and I'm like, oh, wow, it's actually not that bad. And then my team is incredible that I work with. So. It's interesting. Um, you mentioned that you don't really say so much like value the work as it's being done but like in terms of you being a stylist you know usually what the idea is that you're putting work out for other people to view that isn't necessarily centered around you but i've noticed a bit recently you've been sort of center in your work that makes sense like even down to the coast campaign how does it feel being you know the subject as opposed to just being the subject or you creating work on a particular body, but like you having to then be the subject itself, being photographed, you know, how is that? I was, I was going to go back to your other question. I think there's always value on the day. Uh, on the day when I'm working, I live in the moment and the moment, mm-hmm. is, and the moment is over. Then I sort of really think, oh, was, the, was I, I always second guess myself, but then, but then I, I surprise myself when the work comes out and, but I always give my all on the on the on the day and, and but yeah. But also going back to your to your question about how how do I see myself in my work? Honestly, when I see myself in pictures, it's not really me because uh, I'm, I'm quite a I won't say I'm shy, but I'm a little bit reserved when it comes to Abraham. So when I'm in front of a camera, it's a completely different person. It's like an alter ego, like Seagal. You know, I don't really. I can't really relate to that person because that's not really me. I'm always, I'm actually quite embarrassed <laughs> when I see myself in pictures, if I'm honest. But um, so I, I'm, I'm very happy. I can sort of step out of my body and be somebody else for those for a couple of hours, and mm. then I don't want to. Um, and then I'm sort of embarrassed by the process of it. Actually, <laughs> after a couple of hours, like, oh no. Why did I do that? <laughs> okay, I just well, did that, but it's okay. Well, and then we what about Vogue Italia? What about the Vogue Italia Sigal? That was a really yeah. monumental, you know, moment for a for stylist Seagal. to kind of step out. Say, I think for I think for Seagal, not for me. Well, yeah, but Sigal has a a body behind her <laughs> and a mind behind her that is well, you. True. <laughs> 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 when you put it like that <laughs> but also um, in terms of I mean you work with some of the biggest brands like how do you 
start to define, you know, who IB is, you know, in your dress sense, like outside of work. I mean, you've got a very eclectic look and taste towards your like everyday dress sense. Like how did, how do you start honing that and how do you would sort you, of- Would you not think it's boring? I think it was pretty boring if you ask me, if I'm honest. I would I'm not as adventurous as I am in my work, really. I, I mean, which is quite interesting. Yeah. I, 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 on a daily basis, I like mm-hmm. simplicity because I don't, one of, the, one of the things I guess really stress about is stressing myself. I really, mm. I really find it difficult to, to dress myself where, so I don't even shop as much as I, I, a normal person will. I go into the shop, I get the stuff and I run out. I don't even try things. So I, I think I, there's less focus on me and more focused on, but, 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 but here and there, then I have like, like a fat yeah. boot on or something. Right. Well, wouldn't <laughs> we still find that still just as more poignant in the sense that what I've seen is that you typically will go to, you know, a brand like Coast and just find something that's really, really unique and unexpected. You know what I mean? And people would assume that, you know, because you're the stylist who does all these different brands that you're just wearing like the most premier, premier label brands. And it's like, actually, you're really quite sensible and you still do things on a very... I cannot afford it, so I, I, <laughs> I buy what I can afford, if I'm honest. But do you notice, um, but do you notice that people still love it? Do you know what I mean? And I think that also goes down to the testament of being able to put things together. I think you build characters in a way, in your styling. You build very unique individuals that kind of have... A centric. just like characters sort of, to them, but like an actual life to them, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, even in the work, when you dress people, it doesn't look like they're just dressed. It actually, yeah. in some ways, looks like they're living in it. If that makes any sense, or if you even agree with that, I I do agree to an extent. I you know I, in my head I I'm a I'm a four year old stuck in a, <laughs> I won't say how old I am, but um, because in the <laughs> sense that I, I I'm a dreamer. I I mm. you know I I I grew up in Sierra Leone with no access to pop and pop culture TV, so I had to make up make up all these characters, and I'm still that way when I'm when I'm working, I. I still, I still make up all these imaginary friends and characters and, and, and things and, and I get super excited about how I'm going to style this specific character in my head. And, and so I, I think there's, a, there's that aspect of me and that's why I don't like the word it's impossible because if you tell the five, six-year-old it's impossible, they're like, no, it is possible. It's like, mm. what, what do you mean? It's well, they would like to know why it isn't. You know, why? Yeah, exactly. You do kind of have that almost like childlike curiosity in the sense of challenging things. You're very, you don't really take no for an answer and you don't take finite, you know, responses. You always question things. So it's very, in my opinion, like it's really helped you to be able to coax more out of situations. You know what I mean? Like you never really just settle at no. You still find a way to sort of get your point of view across, no matter what. Thank you. I, I got up from my mom. You know, my mom is really, uh, my mom is, is, you know, she knows what she wants and and she <laughs> sort of doesn't back down if she doesn't get what she wants. You know, I know how to, I, I compromise. I know how to work with, uh, 
I'm very happy I went to that school. They really installed in me working with other people. Mm. So I'm very excited to work with people, but I also know what I want. I also know what I what I can. I I bring me to the table, mm. and I hope everyone bring themselves to the table, and then we create. Then we can create this colorful, um, beautiful images and movies and sounds and and well because we're all true to ourselves i want to ask you about um pop influence since you did say um that there was like limited access to i want to ask you about how the visuals of say like yando's sister have influenced like your work uh or just you in general how does that help uh expose you to fashion culture Oh, obsessed with Yondo Sister. You have no idea. I think when Yondo Sister came out at the time in the 90s, she was sort of the Madonna of, of Africa, but I didn't know who Madonna was at the time. Mm. She wore very little clothing, which is brilliant. And she was on, I don't know, I mean, I mean, I had stories, and it was only around 1999 or early 2000 that I actually had proper access to TV and I could see those videos and and I just wanted to be her because she was just so, she was just, I don't care. This is my buddy, I'm gonna own it. So for me, that was my height to pop culture. And then I sort of started watching CNN and, and those news anchors were my celebrities because I grew up watching them and I was obsessed with 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 them and 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 you can really see hint of that in my work because it's sort of the subjects I sort of talk about. I can because see some my I can see my the parallels background. between Yando's sister. I can actually see some of the parallels when I look at her. I'm like, okay, for, this for, makes for sense. Those that, that don't know who Yando's sister was. Yes, because she's still alive. Yando's sister was was an East this incredible dancer singer. I, I don't know. I think he, she's probably Ivorian or from Congo. But if you have a time, check her out. She's incredible. I, I mean, I used to dance to her music in the room and oh, exciting times. Like, I still dance to her a couple of, you know, I still play her music on set actually. <laughs> and when I, whenever I sort of DJ, I'm not really a DJ, but when I get to select music at events and my friends are pouring, I play, I, I slide in some of the well, outside of like listening it's, it's to her like music, going. what are, what other things outside of like Yando's sister do you use to like help you just chill out, relax, or you know, just get that kind of decompression from being in so many like high pressure jobs back to back as you are traveling. Just her, like just her attitude. She's very fearless and really um, spoke her mind. And even though everyone probably could not believe what they were seeing at the time. But she's she walked so many uh, musicians from Africa could mm. run because no, I mean I'm not saying it's probably, she walked so that they could run. Right, they could run. Yeah, I think I think that's the no, English, Yeah, I was trying to ask you like, what else do you do? Who else do you listen to? Like to help decompress? Do you? I listen you know, to you... a lot of movie sounds. I am obsessed mm -hmm. with like Max Richer. You know, I don't, oh. I don't know names of head, but I'm also a movie sounds. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Latin American jazz. I listen to, believe it or not, Chinese 
classical music, obsessed. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of like 70s African um, music. I listen to stuff from Sierra Leone. Um, I love sweet music. I love music that probably make me want to cry or I'm really big on pop. I'm trying to get my pop thing going, but you know, I'm still <laughs> trying. But, you know, I love different things. I love when a sound is different and I just consume it. And, you know, I love what do you do of music. I love Middle Eastern music. I love. Mm. And in terms of like media, what kind of, you know, what kind of like TV series are you binging? What kind of things like, occupy you at like free time? Video games? I, I don't play video games because I think my mind is already a video game. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a bit too much. I really consume sci-fi. I love, I love dramas. I love things that make me go, oh my God, I didn't see this coming. Obsessed. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I watch a lot of documentaries too. I love like 1950s, 60s cinema, the styling, the colors. I, I, I mean, I'm down to watch everything except scary movies, horror films. I, I'm not interested in horror films. I think I that's supposed to be the best kind, actually. Well, for you, I think for me, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I draw the line with cinema. I don't need to be scared watching something. I want, I want a uplifting feeling and mm. so I probably you probably never catch me watching a horror film no matter how good the horror film is I just I just can't my my heart I feel like there was one you thing. did see with me I think it was Get Out which isn't that even was, actually like that was it's a horror quite a film. scary experience to me <laughs> it really was <laughs> I remember right, I remember so, jumping out of my chair a couple of times I and know, told, but, everyone looking at me like What's wrong with this guy? What are you doing? Right, they weren't even scared of scenes. I mean, it was really scary. But I know we kind of did mention this, but um, not really. Um, without, I guess, necessarily giving away too much, but like, what feeds your inspiration? What kind of things help to inspire you to create? You know, is it flipping through magazines? Is it just traveling and speaking to people? Or? You know, what it's you. never it's always i the people human human connection films i have a very uh again i i'm very happy that in my little head there's a little childlike um imagination that i, I hope i can continue and really keep that going and really push ideas so i I, I imagine a lot of scenarios in my head and then I write them down and it becomes a picture. And, and then I obviously have seen things during the day and all of that is pouring in. And, 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 I, and I really push my imagination to how far I can push, push it to, to create. And that's how I see styling or, or moving picture or, or the world. And I always try to change, I'm going to change things. So how far can we change it? Can we put it in an environment that in, that that is foreign to, to this body of work mm-hmm. and, and what will come out of it? And I'm and I'm, I'm obsessed with pop with now with subcultures. Obsessed with making new subcultures. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we have much subcultures anymore. And well things have homogenized so much that everything is almost the same culture. The same across I'm always, I'm always well, looking at 
looking at characters that could be all subculture, but hopefully, I don't know if that's going to happen, but hey, you can try. <laughs> well, you did something just um, at the top of the year. Um, you did a few projects in Sierra Leone that were like mind blowing. Um, Thank you. How does that feel um, going home and creating work after having that been for, it had been almost 10 years since you've been? Yeah. Omar, no, I think I, I had, yeah, it's been a while actually. I haven't been to Sierra Leone. Uh, I did the sound for film there. And then, but I would say mm-hmm. it was an incredible uh, moment in my life to go back and work with the young people and the youth and really, and, and, work with them you know I, I i dress them i style them but at the end of the day they are the people that make the picture and you know those kids were very outspoken they really know what they wanted to wear and how to walk around them <laughs> which we did beautifully and 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 really i really made made sure they all felt great and they felt amazing and even even the posture the way they dropped the hands, their head, their neck, the way they stood, they stood upright. It, it was really mm-hmm. powerful, and and I was just so happy for them. And and they're all in the magazine, and, and you know, some of them now wants, wants to be a model. One of them wants to be a fashion <laughs> designer, and I hope I can make all those dreams come true for them. Hopefully, one day we can, I can build a school in Sierra Leone. And, and we can be amazing. Help a couple of these projects come to life, and because I think it's a very beautiful country, and and, and it needs a lot of support in the in, in the terms of, um, I mean not just financial support, but just people going and, and teaching and, and 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 letting these kids know they can dream of being whoever they want to be, and they can dream of being anything. Most importantly, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it was been inspiring to go back home and collaborate with them. I think it was more of a collaboration with my people and not just me addressing people. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're an extremely like popular figure right now. I would Let's say, say popular, I think. I think I would popular say is really boring. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I mean, you know what? It is English and it is a word. And I think if we like hit the definition, <laughs> we can't deny it. I, I, I do. And I, you being intertwined. I, I don't like I don't like the word popular. I think it's it's a very, so we'll say well known. Can we say well known? Well, well known too is a bit problematic. I think okay. people. <laughs> I, I like to think some people like my work. I think let's use that language. I think let's okay, say fair enough. Yes. Now let's say up. that some of those people might be like one of your inspirations. Who do you look to for inspiration? Are there any figures? Um, across any of the mediums in art that inspire you, or even outside of art? You know, I my biggest inspiration has been Barry Kamen, who, who was my mentor and he passed away. You know, Barry Kamen for me was, Barry Kamen came, was assisted Ray Petrie, probably one of the greatest stylists of our time, of ever. And, you know, I I'm so... Um, I'm so grateful for all the teachings and learnings and and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moments I spent with Barry. I mean, we just talked about politics and fashion. We talked about everything else except fashion, which was which really was like for me, from a boy coming from Africa, 
really learning how to really settle within London and meeting Barry and going to that school. He really sort of was was the point where I felt, wow, I met somebody that really understood how my mind worked and things I wanted to say. And 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 because he gave me this complete freedom, I mean, there was nothing I, I could do no wrong in the eyes of Barry. Bear in mind, I was putting, and at the time, I, I, I hadn't come out to my family yet. So I'll be putting boys in G-string for, for the shoot and Barry will <laughs> love it. Barry will be like, how far can you push it? How, let's push it more. <laughs> I mean, that kind of mentoring, you don't even get them anymore because mm. it was so selfless. And, and he just really taught me about he didn't teach me about styling. He taught me about the energy and the and the feeling and the importance of style. I don't know if you get. I don't know if you understand what that means. It's just it's an it's an emotional teaching. It's not a because honestly, our industry it's it's so hard to navigate, and I don't think anyone can teach you that. But I think when someone really touches your soul and really teaches you, um, um, um. The science of life, why mm. you're doing this, the importance of why you're here in this space, and the importance of why you need to do this, and knowing when your time is up to move on. You know, I, I appreciate that so much from him. And I'm a strong believer that, you know, when my time is up from the sun, I, I need to move on and, and give space mm. for 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 other people to sort of create their own universe. And that's what Barry gave me, and he gave me that. Um, no fear. I think it's a feeling. It's a feeling that I I I I very grateful for. That I'm not afraid when it comes to the way I style and the way I think of the world and and the things I want to say and how far I want to push it. You know, mm-hmm. he really installed that into me. So yeah, you know, he's gone now, but definitely never will be forgotten. If you look at my work, you think of Barry. That's, he's in there. I see, he's I, always in I there. I see the parallel, he's, especially with Ray. I see. I definitely see the parallels. Um, he's always but, in there, and, and and he's always coming through. And you know, sometimes I'm sit I'm thinking, what would Barry do? You know, and hmm. and then it, it all just it all just manifests, and I just keep going. And, hmm. Yeah, love Barry so much. Yeah. was the post catch up with me Justin French and my dear friend Abraham Kamara please hit subscribe in our podcast app if you'd like to hear more and head to coaststores.com to join the conversation online thanks for listening